Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show... Bryce Simon is in the building, and for the first time in Bryce's tenure on the Game Theory Podcast, we're doing a Game Theory mock draft. For people that are longtime listeners, you will know the deal. For people that are new, Bryce and I will go back and forth making picks 1 through 30 until we get to number 30. We'll talk about some guys at the end, maybe. We're going to take a couple of questions at the top, but the bulk of this episode is going to be Bryce and I going back and forth making draft picks. This early in the process, we do not use team-specific anything, although that team behind you right there, Bryce, oh boy, easy, they, they, easy. they might need something. Easy, Sam. I, I was telling you before we started that anytime I tweet about the NBA draft, because most of my followers on Twitter are Pistons people, which makes sense. That's what I kind of came up doing. They always yeah. think it's related directly to the Pistons. And so I have to remind them sometimes like, no, 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 no. This is like a general thing that I do on top of watching every Pistons game and all of that. So when I tweet about it, they're like, Hey, calm down. The Pistons are this, that I'm like, that's not what this tweet is about. It's definitely not what the tweet is about, but my but God, it, they're about it to might go should be. 11. <laughs> it might should so, be real quick. So I wrote a big breakdown of the Zach Levine trade thing today like whether or not he's going to get moved i came up with like 11 teams that i think realistically should at least like make a call and kind of understand the market uh it's always amazing to me this is an aside it's always amazing to me that like when i do this and i come up with these fake trades people still do not get to like read the full breakdown because like the trades are like okay i think this is basically like a middle ground in terms of what chicago would need to consider it but also like what the other team would consider. So for instance, Miami today, right? Like I think I said something involving like Hawkes, Jovic and a first, right? And Miami fans meltdown, obviously. If you literally read the breakdown, it says, I would not do this if I was Miami. Like, <laughs> I think this is a bad idea. I think Levine is not the guy that you want to go for. And still I have like people with larger followings tweeting out like, Oh my God, hell no. Like I'd never do this. Like, yes, I agree. Strong agree. <laughs> but if I don't list Miami, if I don't list New Orleans, right? People will be like, oh, well, why didn't you list New Orleans? Why didn't you list Miami? Right. And it's just like, well, okay, I'm damned if I do. And I'm damned if I don't. Right. Like there's just no, there's no way for me to win here. I just have to accept that people are going to be upset regardless. It's the pros and cons of content creation, Sam, right? Like we want the interaction. We want people to read it, but you kind of want them to read everything. And at the end of the day, it's, it just happens a lot where you're like, I'm just throwing this out there. I just want to discuss it because 
at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We do a podcast. You do a podcast and allow me to tag along. Let me rephrase that. And <laughs> we do it because we love talking hoops, Sam. And in part of that is we do overreactions and they're just fun to talk about. Or we talk that's about right. trades that may or may not should or should not happen. Or guys that we're going to have in our top 30 that... Maybe we think it's a little bit crazy, but it's fun to put them there because it's fun to talk about. We like to have fun along with taking ourselves serious as analysts and studying the game. Well, yeah. And then like I make the mistake yesterday of like calling, you know, six people that work for NBA teams and like getting an opinion on it. That's like actually well-founded. Right. And every, when you talk to, I think the other thing is like when you talk to a lot of teams, which you do and I do as well you understand that like there is no consensus on any player bar Nikola Jokic in the NBA, right? Like you're going to get wild takes across the board. Like the thing is that people don't really get though. And now we're just like totally aside when we're doing a mock draft, but like the thing that people don't really get, and I understand why they wouldn't get it. Cause they're not having these conversations is that like people like me, people like, you know, Kyle Mann, who I love people like, John Gavoni, people, you know, across the board, right? We have to release a one through 100 draft board. We have to release, you know, trade things that we hear, everything, all of that. NBA teams have to pick one to three players per year. They have to find one to three players that they like per year. They have to uh, only trade for the guys that they like, right? Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. And, you know, unfortunately, for instance, the team behind you has gotten it wrong more than they've gotten it right recently, but some teams do it really well. So it's, it's just that they get to pick and choose. Whereas like you and I, and like the other people in the space, we don't really get to pick and choose what's out there. Like, especially frankly, like this is, this is like me and John Gavoni frankly, like we have, we end up being in the mix. There are a lot of, uh, a, a, we have to have all of our opinions out there on guys. Right. And that's always going to lead to us being wrong. We are going to be wrong every goddamn year because we're trying to give takes on like too many guys. And it's not that we don't do the work. God, I write a 130 page draft guide every year. It's just that it's you're you're not going to get it all right and wrong when you're talking about 19 year olds. You're just not. Yeah, I mean, this is the first year where I've tried to do both of these things because of the pod and other things in terms of being general NBA and the NBA draft. I had it real easy whenever I was just doing a Pistons podcast. All I had to do was watch 82 games of the Pistons, which some people may not think that's easy, and I only had to scout the top five guys in the draft because they're the only ones that mattered or the top five guys of the second round. Well, now I'm trying to keep track of all 30 NBA teams. I'm trying to keep track of a hundred to 125 guys in the NBA draft. I have four or five games in my queue to watch every single day. I think yeah. I, I, I don't, someone was asking me the other day, like how many ga- full games have you watched already? And it's well over 50 full games of college basketball. Plus there's NBA yeah. plus there's it because I want to watch full games, Sam. I, at some point I can just, okay, let's watch synergy clips of just Tyrese Proctor's pick and roll, whatever stuff right. eventually. But 
right now I'm going to see full games to get my, my scouts and the, the beginning yep. level stuff. And so it's a lot. And in that, Sometimes you're going to miss stuff. Kentucky's so hard for me to scout because there's like seven dudes I'm trying to track the whole game. Right. And so if I'm focusing on, oh my God, Reed Shepard continues to show out, totally. then I might miss what DJ Wagner's doing. It's 100% right. Just a few quick questions at the top here from people who asked us questions from the YouTube channel. Come watch us live on the YouTube channel. It's always fun. We do these things live. We try and not fuck it up too much. Question number one, how much does Garway Dwell punching someone during a game affect his draft stock? I believe he had Dede Ames. Uh, Dede Ames, like, kind of, I don't I, I don't know. I'm not going to say what was in his mind when he did it, but, like, he kind of, like, caught him in the throat with it looked like a shot to me. Well, Garway can't wheel around and, like, drill him, but I, I don't know what to think of that yet. Do you? I'm still trying to decipher it. It just happened. I saw it live. I watched a lot of that game. I'm trying to like, like I'm a big Garway fan as people will find out. Uh, I'm assuming, I don't know which one of us will get to pick him. I think we may fight over this, but so I'm, he can't react that way. No matter what, like it was, it was a lot. What he, I thought he got uppercut to the bottom of the chin. Like maybe I'm giving Garway a little bit too much. It seemed like he really got sucker punched it still doesn't condone what he did. He can't do yeah. that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know right now what it does with his draft stock for me, but um, the other dude wasn't completely innocent based off the shots I've seen so far. Yeah. Look, if it's a one-off thing, then it won't impact his stock. If it's something that continues to happen uh, and yep. there's like some more like really high end emotional moments where like he loses his cool and stuff, then it'll be a thing. But if this proves to be a one-off thing, then it'll be fine. Uh, from Lasseri, do you think the Ignite should limit how many prospects are on the team to a lower level than current? The eight current prospects seem like they would be better served if there were two Ignite teams. I don't disagree with this. I just think they need to do a better job of putting together prospects that actually fit together. They don't have a single point guard now. How are they going to get two point guards to run two different teams, Sam? There's that, and there's just, like, all of these dudes are, like, wing forwards, right? Like, you know, Ron Holland, Modest, Tyler Smith. Izzy Almanza is more of a four than a five, I would say, to be honest. Babacar uh, is probably more of a three than a two, like, maybe two right. four. Like, he's more of Thierry a Thierry Darlin is more yeah. of a three from, like, a ball skill perspective right now. They're, they're going to try to force him to play point. You can tell already they're going to try to play him at point, I think. Well, Ron, I think Ron Holland's going to like play a ton on the ball as well, based off of what I've seen. So like, it's just, it's really, really hard. I think based off of their roster construction, I don't love the way they're coached. I've talked about this ad nauseum on the show. We talked about that in the summer. That's the reality. Um, yeah, no, like this was always, you and I have been bracing for disaster with the impact or with the uh, ignite team since the summer. Yeah. Since before they played a game against Perth, you and I were like, this could go very badly. And sorry. I was, I, I had to watch a game the other day because I wanted to see these guys play. And it was a disaster. Like I knew it going ahead. It was a 140 to a hundred or whatever the score. Was. And I just texted you. I was like, Sam, this is, this is bad. And it has a chance to get worse because I watched interaction between players in a couple situations and 
I could feel and sense and see them not liking shot selection and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so it goes beyond just positional lack of positional versatility, positional overlap. Now it's going to, well, that should have been my shot or this guy's jacking shots. Why don't I get a jack shots that can go South really, really fast on a team, especially where, what is the only goal to go to the next level? That's the only (laughs) goal of that team. So your hands are full anyway, and it's not starting off so hot. Come here, come to the NBL, come to Australia. Yeah, yeah. You could say like metaphorically, the water's nice, but really I'm telling you, you can go to Illawarra. You can come to Melbourne. The beaches are great. You'll have a great time. Come on down and you'll play for like real competitive basketball teams. It's fantastic. Uh, from 24 seconds, thoughts on Matthew Cleveland and Kadari Richmond. So I have not watched Seton Hall yet, just to be Same. clear. So I'm not going to give a take on Kadari. Uh, the game I watched of Matthew Cleveland. I know Matthew Cleveland is playing super well. I watched the UCF game uh, when Miami beat UCF, I think by 16. I think they won like 88 to 70, 88, 72, something like that. Uh he played okay in that game. It's very clearly the worst game he's played based off of the box scores, at least. So I, I need to watch Miami again to get a bit of a better feel, I think is yeah. what I would answer. I'm in the same way. I've watched some Miami because of Wuga, and I just am excited for him. And I had Cleveland ready to take some notes, and it was the same game. I ended up not taking many like you. I've box score watched. I have the Miami-Georgia game already downloaded to watch um, first thing tomorrow or wherever it ends up in my order of games to watch tomorrow. So I will have more on Matthew Cleveland. It, it it sounds like he's playing at a level that he deserves that attention to like give him some real eyes to really see if there's been some progression there. Uh, from Darren Flowers, what is your opinion on Carlton Bub Carrington? He might come up later. So do you want to hold this? I just know. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to bring him up later to spoil it, but here's what I'm, I've watched it. I'm very intrigued. We're going to find out a lot about Bub on Wednesday. I believe when they play Florida, that's the game I have kind of circled. Like if he keeps doing what he's been doing and he does it against Florida, if he outplays Riley Kugel, if he can go by Will Richard and finish at the rim over Micah Hanlotten and shoots the ball well, now we're talking about big time, big time draft riser. I love the feel. I love the yeah. aggression rebounding. I don't know how much rim pressure he gets right now. It feels like that's maybe his main issue at this point. Like a lot of it is pretty perimeter based. I agree with you that I want to see him at Florida. He might come up later for me. I will say love it. Uh, how many spots is Ryan Dunn moving up based solely on his poster yesterday? Uh, not solely on the poster, but I can guarantee you we're going to talk about Ryan Dunn later. So maybe let's hold off on that. Uh, from Keyman, what are some things you learn or trends you noticed from your recent hits or misses? I would say for me, at least I still might undervalue shooting as an immediately translatable thing, uh, from day one. Maybe that is one thing that might stand out to me a bit in particularly the way it affects like complete non-shooters. Like I ended up with Jalen Hood Shafino at like 
I don't know, 16, 17 on my board, like right around where he was picked. I don't know if I would have that anymore because I do worry about like how he gets real game reps and can improve and like fast track that development cycle based on not being able to shoot when you're surrounding like star players kind of thing. Like that's the easiest way to go on the court is being able to shoot and being able to defend. I think one thing for me I have to really improve on is I didn't grow up as a guy and I didn't coach as someone who valued stills and blocks. I coached a and played in systems where the value was be solid, stay in front of your man, slide, don't go for steals, don't take chances, stuff like that. So Tari Eason was the main one for me. Tari Eason was the first one where it's like, I tagged Tari Eason as a reckless defender, where actually Tari Eason is a high field defender and very valuable in the NBA. I think I may have done the same thing with Asar Thompson, where I took a lot of his stuff as just taking chances and being reckless, as opposed to just super high feel anticipation and awareness. And so that's something in this cycle I'm trying to navigate better in turn because there's still guys that are just reckless, right? They just chase blocks, chase steals, but I got to be able to pinpoint the guys that are doing it with high feel, high success, those type of things. Man, Asar is so fascinating because I still don't know what to do with him yet. Like he's very clearly really valuable on an NBA court, but like their offense is a real problem in part because of him. So amazing defensively. And like, I love the energy. I love the transition play. Like I I love all of it. And yet he's still so young. Like it's going to be time. Like I, I don't, yeah. Like I don't mean to like, you know, disparage him in any way. I love him, but I I am very curious to see how this translates to like real high level basketball, I think is where I'm at. It's funny because Killian probably rightfully so gets a lot of the blame or Killian and Stu Asar has been immune from it for Pistons fans, but like tonight he had five turnovers in the first half and airballed a three. So while he does un believable. He also had almost 10 rebounds. So he does unbelievable stuff on the other end of the floor. There's no doubting that whatsoever, but yeah, the half court offense is a real struggle. And, you know, as a guy who I think can pass and has feel, he has turned the ball over a little bit, been loose with those type of things. So there's, there's real substantial growth needed in the half court before he could be like a playoff level impact guy. And of course, he's a rookie. It's it's okay. It's fine. This team is nowhere close to being a, a, in a playoff scenario. But you know, I, I didn't see him being this impactful defensively, Sam. I didn't. I, I thought he was disengaged at times. I thought he was, you know, his awareness. I thought he just took chances. And as I've said before, all of the positive defensive tools have translated, and that's a testament to him and and who he is and and the worker that he is. So, like. The, the thing I've been going back and forth on with Asar is has him or Jordan Hawkins been more valuable so far this year? Cause they're like, cause they're literally polar opposite players and how they're impacting the game right now. Jordan Hawkins is doing so solely as a shooter and like as a floor spacer and moving off the ball and everything. And you know, has had his struggles defensively. Like he works, but he's still just so skinny and yeah. has his problems. And New Orleans has struggled offensively, but like they've been better, I think, when he's been in the game. 
Asar, the numbers look great. Like he's averaging, I think like 12, 10 and four or something and gets blocks and steals, but like is a real deterrent for them on offense. So I don't, and like, they've been terrible. So like, I don't totally know yet how to, I have to do rookie rankings for next week. I'll tell people rookie rankings are coming out next Friday for the first time at the athletic. And I don't totally know yet, like how to judge the Asar production, I think in terms of like how it actually impacts winning basketball, which ultimately is how I rank those rookies in the rookie rankings. Don't ask me this. Jordan Hawkins, (laughs) Jordan Hawkins was easily my favorite player in the draft. And whenever I say favorite, I'm not to like, he wasn't the number one player on my board. That was obviously Wimby. When I say favorite, I'm like, it was Ben math in the draft before Benedict Matherin was my favorite guy. Like just aesthetically pleasing. The guy I loved watching was Benedict Matherin last year. I watched every second of Jordan Hawkins last 15, 20 games, very, very, very closely. And I just fell in love with his game. And so I refuse to discuss that question. Yeah. Like I ended up with Hawkes, you know, somewhere at like 20 or something like that. He was absolutely my favorite prospect to watch in <laughs> yeah. the draft last year. Like I, people will know that, like I loved him, but he wasn't the best prospect in the draft. He was just my guy. Like I was like, Jaime Hawkes is my dude. So yeah. Okay. I'm glad we did this. This was fun. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your questions. I see one about Maryland here. I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole yet. They've been a disaster. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm surprised by it as much as everybody else is. Do you want to start drafting? Yeah, let's do it. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, 
to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, so as the newbie, I'm going to give you the first pick. That's that's not giving me grace. That's not a compliment in this draft to give me the number one pick. It, if if you were being a, a gracious host, you wouldn't make me pick in the top five in this mock, and you would let me start at six. So we are going to go. Bryce goes first. I go second. Bryce third. I go fourth back and forth we're not like snaking it or anything it's just back and forth one two three four uh anything else i mean you you feel the same way i do about this draft right now where there's not really anybody that would go in the top three of a normal draft right agreed Agreed. okay so difficult obviously in that respect bryce with the number one overall pick in the 2024 NBA mock draft for the game theory podcast version 1.0 your pick. Listen, I know we just had 11 turnovers. I know it's a dumpster fire right now. I'm still going to go Ron Holland and I love Alex Sar, And I have a feeling we're talking about Alex Sar very, very soon. I just feel like a wing with a little bit of ball skill that listen, the shooting numbers haven't been good in, in all of the games he's played. I think in the six that we have, he's 25% from three, three and a half turnovers a game. I get it. It's still early. The problem is I don't know if it's going to get any better because of the context he's playing in. But right now, I just feel like a 6'8 wing, 18 years old. He won't turn 19 till summer league, Sam. I'm just, for right now, I'm most comfortable staying with Ron Holland. So... For reference, I this is what makes this draft so much fun. I have Ron Holland at five on my personal okay. board. Uh, I keep going back and forth on like whether or not I even love him there, but it just gets to a point where like you kind of have to list them at some point. Uh, I like him. I like the athleticism. I like how hard he plays. I don't think he's 6'8". I think he's more like 6'6". The Ignite is listing him at 6'6", and he looks like he's 6'6", when you watch him on the court, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's a, that's, that's a good point. And I don't blame you for saying that he's six, eight, because I think Texas said he was six, eight when they announced his signing originally, I think FIBA has him listed at six foot nine after they played in the intercontinental cup, which is like way off. There's no chance that dude's six foot nine right now. Uh, so yeah, like I, I don't blame you for saying that. I think he looks like a really interesting role-playing wing right now. I don't think he is comfortable playing on the ball. Sure. And I'm interested to see him kind kind of try and improve like the ability to decelerate a little bit, the ability to play at different tempos and speeds. I don't know if he has that yet. Yeah. And I also, I, I made a note, like 
I've talked about this at length with him. I think the defense has been a tad overrated with Ron Holland in terms of, I think he plays really hard, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's really good and impactful defensively or not at like an elite or great level like some people talk about it. There was a play when they played Salt Lake City G League team. Um, Taylor Hendricks kind of dominated that game as you would hope, but he got a step on Taylor Hendricks. And then Hendricks was kind of able just to body body him off his driving line. And so it's another thing, you know, if he's 6'6", he's not super strong yet. So like as his body grows and develops, if it does, if it doesn't, then it's a concern. And like you outlined, I don't feel good about this at all, but I don't, you, you have to take some, what I've been trying to navigate Sam more so than who is number one of these top guys is what do I do if I have the number one pick? Do I find literally the guy with the highest upside, no matter how minuscule the chances that he hits it? Or do I just say, I'm going to take a guy who, unfortunately, with the number one pick, I just think is going to be a solid NBA role player. And I just have to live with the fact I got the number one pick in a draft where that was the best path or best decision. Well, this is one where team context is going to matter. I know everybody hates drafting for fit at the top of the draft, but you're kind of going to have to, I think, in this class. Like, I'm not saying that you, you know, solely value the guy who fits best on your roster, but a lot of guys are going to be in this tier. And the one that fits best within your scheme, within what you run, within what you think is going to fit in your locker room, that's probably going to be the chance that you get to create the most impact. I'll say real quick, I think I would, I don't have my list in tiers, but just looking at it, I think the top eight guys would all be in the same tier for me. Yeah. Okay. I have five, I would say in the tier right now. So I'm with that. Okay. Number two. And the way that, just to be clear as well, this is ours. This is not what we think will happen. This is what we would do. Yep. To be clear. I'm going to go Isaiah Collier. And I think that might be a little bit of a surprise to you, at least. Yes. Um, I keep going back and forth on him with, on him and Sar. The reason that I'm going Collier personally right now, and I think that there's like totally an open debate here, hashtag embrace debate. I really love the ability to transfer explosiveness into power for Isaiah Collier so far. I think that's like a real genuine skill that he has at his disposal that has been super, super impressive. I really like the ability to play at high speeds and still maintain his balance. I love the balance through contact with those like enormous, like football player shoulders that he has at the rim. Like he can go full speed into somebody at the basket, maintain his balance, which allows him to maintain his touch at the basket, which I still want to learn a little bit more about, but I think that he has real potential there. The shooting we'll see. I think it's very clear that he is making positive strides as a shooter compared to where he was in high school. The turnovers are the turnovers, and that's where I'm most concerned right now. He needs to be a little bit quicker in terms of his, not quicker in terms of his decision-making, but maybe, I don't know, like part of me wants him to be as aggressive as he is. Part of me thinks that, you know, he could stand to throttle back a little bit, but you would want to see him take those risks early on. It's tricky, but I really love what I've seen from Isaiah Collier. 
I do think he has the highest upside of anybody I've seen so far in this class, but I don't, again, like he's a guy that I would have in my like tier three, which is, you know, has all-star outcomes, but probably like the level below that uh, in terms of where the median outcome is. So as I was putting my board together, I was like, okay, what kind of archetype of players do I believe in? What kind of archetype of players do NBA teams, do I feel like NBA teams value? And that's one reason why Holland and we'll talk about Justin Edwards, who has not been good so far, but why I'm still going to have him relatively high just because it's early in the season and they're the archetype of player I think the NBA values. And what I found myself doing was continuously moving the small guards down. Sam, like these guys that are 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", that I truly love watching play, but I kept moving them down my board. Collier was the one exception. Collier was the one guy I almost moved up. I don't know if I would have taken him at one. Obviously, I didn't, but I considered even taking it two. And so I'm with you on a lot of this. He's shooting 87% from the free throw line right now and he's gotten there 23 times in three games now there's a lot of context behind this in terms of competition and all of that for these teams early in the season but yeah I've come away as a guy who stays away from small guards in general I usually find maybe like one that I really buy into and love I use Scoot Henderson that was easy Collier may end up being that guy he just looks so strong and physical every time I see him he looks bigger than what I think he's going to look at, at six foot three. And at that size, that bulk allows you to scale down or scale up, I guess, positionally in order to guard more than just point guards, which is the biggest thing you don't want to get switched on to all the time in the playoffs. You don't want to end up in a circumstance where you get stuck a lot of the time uh, in high leverage moments. So I think he's going to be able to do that as he gets older. Uh, Bryce, you're up at number three again. Yeah, I'm taking Alex Sar. I'm feeling very good about this at number three. We've talked about Alex Sar probably as much as about anybody so far in our NBA draft content. I think the defensive stuff we both really, really believe in, just his ground coverage, all of those type of things. Offensively, it's still a work in progress, right? He's 28% from three right now, 56% from the free throw line, doesn't have a ton of assists. It's like a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio. He's only playing 20 minutes a night um, through, if you count the blitz and the regular season games in the NBL. I kind of buy the offensive package, I think, more than others. But I'm a huge fan of Alex Sar. So I easily could have had him at number one. I really, really considered it. Maybe I should have. I'm feeling really good with him at number three, though. Yeah, so Sar would have been, I guess, two for me because I took Isaiah ahead of him. But uh, yeah, I love the defense. It's the ground coverage. It's the ability to be a weak side rim protector. Look, he showed some short roll flashes against the Ignite in those games. I feel like we haven't seen a lot of that yet from him. Sometimes when he has the ball in the perimeter, it's him driving the ball, uh, you know, in transition or it's him spotting up and like getting a chance to attack that way. He does show very real comfort and flexibility and fluidity when he has the ball in his hands, not at a super high level, but at a high enough level to where if he continues to get stronger, you believe that he might be able to make it work. I I do want to see a little bit more of the shot. Like you said, low free throw percentage. I've talked a lot about the fact that having seen him up close, you can really see the side spin 
that comes with the ball out of his hands when you scout him in person. That is a real thing that he's going to have to improve, but he has soft touch. He very clearly has like a very beautiful high arcing trajectory on the shot. I think it will work uh, long-term. It's just going to take a minute. Luke Byrne asks, are you surprised star has not been able to force himself into the starting lineup at Perth? Not at all. Knowing the way that that team operates, knowing the way John really operates, uh, it's not a, I think that like, it's totally reasonable for him not to start. They have Keanu Pinder, who is, uh, I think he finished fourth or fifth, like in MVP voting last year in the NBL. Like he's a real dude in that league at the center position. And then they've been trying to do some different things at the three and the four, trying to establish things. Alex is out there a lot of the time closing games. Sometimes he's not. I think ultimately that's kind of where you see that he's trusted and is a good piece of that team. I just want to make a quick note. It's not the same position, but this is the same team where my guy Ben Hinshaw can't even get more than a minute. So I'm not surprised that Alex R is not getting more than 20. Ben can play. I would like to see Ben get some time at some point, but we shall see. Okay. I am up at number four. I am going to take Jacoby Walter. Love it. Out of Baylor. Where did you have Jacoby, Bryce? Jacoby was number eight. So he was the last guy in this tier where I said, like, I literally would be fine with any one of the eight. And as I look at it, I would probably actually move him up two spots to number six. But if somebody wants to make the argument that Jacoby Walter is better than Ron Holland, I am not going to like fight you at all about that. Like I am more than happy to have that conversation. I considered moving Jacoby all the way up and just saying, Hey, I buy the shot. I buy the defense. He's going to get better defensively playing at Baylor. I don't think he has a ton of wiggle, but he shoots it better than Ron Holland. So I think there's a great argument that he's better than Ron Holland. Well, it's a very direct game right now. Yes. Like there's yes. no bullshit to his game. This is a guy that was the best player on the best team in high school basketball last year. You know, apologies to Elliot Cadell at Link Academy. He can shoot the ball. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle. Like you said, he's, it's weird. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle, but I think he has great footwork in sure. terms of getting into his shots, always on balance, getting into his pull-ups. Obviously, a lot of the shots are very difficult which is something that he's going to have to showcase improvement with, right? Like he needs to find a way to work his way into easier shots. But so far the season as a freshman averaging 18 points on 11 field goal attempts per game, shooting 46% from the field, 39% from three, 89% from the line. The other big thing here is that like, there has been no passing whatsoever from Jacoby. Walter. Okay. So that's what I was going to say. Oh, listen, zero. I love Jacoby Walter. <laughs> But if he doesn't get the Cam Whitmore treatment at some point in the next few weeks, if this continues, I'm going to be very, very upset because Cam Whitmore got stinking crushed for his lack of passing. And Jacoby has one assist in four games. Again, I love him. This isn't even a Jacoby thing. I'm just saying like we killed Cam Whitmore over and over and over. And so I just, Let's keep it let's keep it fair that if this continues with Jacoby, he gets the same treatment. And Jacoby's way smaller than Cam. Like there's a lot of not as uh, explosive off two feet. Yeah. Uh 
look, I love Jacoby. I love how direct the game is. I think he's a way better defender just positionally than yeah, yeah, where yeah. Cam was 1, coming into the draft. Yes. Uh, so yeah, like I just love the very professional demeanor. He needs to find a way into easier shots. He needs to find a way to collapse defenders. I do really, really like his game so far though. And look, he would be somewhere in the like four to, I don't know, eight or nine range for me right now. I took him at four, but don't feel incredible about it. Okay, Bryce, you're up at number five. Yeah, the shot making has been really impressive. I think that's what's really skyrocketed him for me. And I realize people are yeah. like, oh, six isn't sky. But like, I wasn't sure about Jacoby. And then I saw the game against Auburn. I was like, wow, that was impressive. Um, yeah. I'm just going to go Justin S- Edwards. I, I, I understand. Ooh, I know. This is early for Justin, I think. I know. It is. I'm j- Here's my thing. I'm not ready to just fly him down the board after what is it now? It's four games now. So maybe it, maybe it is time. He's still to me, the archetype of an NBA player, an NBA wing forward that teams are looking for. And so I'm still, I'm leaving him here for now, completely based on high school tape before college basketball season with the understanding that if this continues for another three or four games, then he's going to fall 15, 20 spots and then another 20 spots. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving him here for now. And look, I, I think the biggest problem right now with Justin Edwards is that he's still a, I think like, it seems like he's lost a little bit of confidence uh, in who he is as a player And B. I think he's still like trying to figure out, who he is and what the role is on that team, right? Because he's just frankly not good enough as a shot creator right now with his handle, with his wiggle, with anything to be like a real shot creator, uh, especially as like a bigger six foot eight wing. Whereas I've talked about before, those guys just really struggle to drive and like create opportunities in college because of the, the condensed court. But also I don't think he's really shot it super well yet. No, it's been awful. I will say like, so I talked to Kyle Mann uh, after and Kyle, look, Kyle's a friend. I I love Kyle unconditionally. I would recommend you all go follow Kyle if you don't. Um, Kyle's obviously a Kentucky fan, went to Kentucky. He mentioned to me that he thought Justin Edwards was not very good in that game against Kansas on defense. I went back. I didn't think he was great going back. I thought he was okay. Like I thought that his screw ups like didn't lead to buckets because he's so long that he can kind of like recover in real ways. But yeah, like right now he's just like not there. Like Adu Tierro is like the energy guy, right? Like he's going to go and like, he's going to like make all the shit happen and like fly around. Right. I feel like Edwards is still like trying to find who he is as a player almost in that scheme. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, he doesn't seem like he's uh, important's not the word I'm looking for, but he, he's not a huge part of it. And so th- he's not getting a lot of usage, but I don't know, like that's that's the argument against him, right? It's like he can't do a whole lot with the ball in his hands. I like him as an off the ball mover, cutter, those type of things. I actually thought his, I, I guess I had in my notes that I thought his defense was okay in the Kansas game, that yeah. he had some activity and made a few nice plays. He's got to figure out when to cut the, the knack, the art for yep. it, doing it at the right time. I think where I'm at with Justin Edwards compared to most people is I actually think the jumper looks okay. 
it's just not going in right now. So if it continues yeah. to not go in, then obviously I'm wrong. And again, then he's going to plummet down my board, but I still, I think it looks okay. Like he shoots and I'm like, Oh, that, I think it's going to go in. And it's not, I mean, he went over three again tonight. So he's two of 14 from three on the season, but he's 80. I don't know what he went from the free throw line tonight. So um, again, I, I realize this is very much still a kind of high school reputation play with Justin Edwards right now. I'm okay yeah. with that for Mach 1.0 at yeah. Mach 2.0. If I still have him at five and he's averaging 10 points and you know, whatever, then I, I understand it, but, I'm going to, he will have dropped if that's still the case. And to be clear, like I still had him in the lottery, like down near the bottom of the lottery. So sure. like, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, this is crazy. It's just that I, uh, where did you I, have I him? Where'd you bit. have him three weeks? Uh, where'd you have him a month ago though? Top five. I did. Yeah. yeah totally. So I'm just, I'm so, late to the party here. And or I, I think I'm clinging on to, to this longer than maybe what others are and maybe even what I should be, which is maybe fair. No, it's, I think it's reasonable to give these guys some time. He's played one relevant game so far. Like what I didn't uh, want to do, Sam, was drop him to 20 and then him have five huge games and then just move him right back up to five, I guess. It's right. like I just didn't want to be ping-ponging him all over the place. Like I'd rather just make one big move after I have a larger sample size. Yeah, not crazy. I think that's a totally rational, reasonable way to go about it. Um, at number six, I am taking Nikola Topic. Wow. How, how crazy do you think that is? I have him at 13. Okay. So that's right. Like right around where I just, we, we just right? flipped. We just flipped. We flipped. So Nikola Topic so far for mega Serbia is averaging 20.1 points per game, shooting seven of 12 from the field. Uh, on a night-to-night basis, 58% from the field, 33% from three, 83% from the line. He's averaging eight assists versus three and a half turnovers. Look, he's a fucking basketball like savant on some level, right? That's who he is. Nicole Topic is a basketball savant. You look at the way he operates in pick and rolls. You look at the way that he is able to dictate the game and manipulate defenders with his eyes, manipulate defenders with his footwork, the way he's able to be patient once he get in, gets into the mid-range area, I think he's really, really gifted as a playmaker. You look back through the guys that have been like insanely productive in the Adriatic League at this young of an age, they tend to be very, very good, uh, especially ones that can be like on-ball creators. So I'm as worried about the defense as everybody else is. He fouls the shit out of everybody. It feels like every time I watch their games, I get it. Uh, he is an excellent, excellent, excellent ball screen navigator creator. Some of the most fun tape I will watch truly all year is him against USC in the summer. I've mentioned this before, but like seeing the way him and Kobe Johnson were going back and forth, like as the backline defender for Kobe and, uh, Nicole, like trying to manipulate him with his eyes, then playing cat and mouse against one another. It's a really, really fun piece of tape. I think that he is absolutely a fascinating prospect at the very least. And in this morass of prospects that have not yet done anything really, uh, six foot five lead guard that can dribble past shoot and like really dictate in ball screens. I just feel confident 
in him on some level. So I have a higher degree of confidence in him, which makes me take him at six. No, I mean, and we don't need to touch on the defense. We've talked about it. I am very, very down on it. But I, I will say he does box out. And there were some things in the last game I watched where I was like, okay, maybe he's at least a rotation positional team defender because he's not going to guard in isolations. He's going to die on ball screens, those type of things. Um, yeah, the eye manipulation stuff is really, really cool. So here's my questions. Be- I also want to say, you said dribble pass shoot. The shooting has been really good. I had major questions about that when I first turned on the film, but the numbers say that he can knock down shots. So I got to leave it alone. Frankly, it's been hit or miss. Like it actually is a real concern for me. Uh, He's hitting 33% of his threes so far in the Adriatic league. It's hit or miss. I will completely acknowledge that. He also has 52 assists in his last six games, which is just nutso. Um, Here's my questions. Can he finish around the rim and can he create in isolation? finish around the rim. I think he has enough touch to where he's going to be able to get to like that six or seven foot area away from the rim and be able to finish. But it's a question getting all the way to the basket and like being able to elevate and he's not super long. So like being able to get his hand next to the rim and extend and finish have questions there isolation i think he's pretty creative with his deceleration he's not going to be able to isolate like primary defenders i don't think but if he gets mismatches i think he might be okay okay no i'm i had him lottery i i like him and i think what i've realized here early in this is i'm still kind of enamored with the quote-unquote wingy athletic NBA archetype player where your trust. And you've talked about this. You're tr- like, you're going with, I'm trusting high field basketball players. And yeah, it it's making me second guess myself. No. As I try to nap. It, no, I'm always trying to learn. So this isn't me backtracking. I'm just always trying to grow and learn. And so it's like, I tried to say, what archetype do NBA players like? And so I'm going, they're going to look at Ron Holland and Justin Edwards and say, those are the type of players. Those are the body types we need in this league. And so I still valued it where I'm hearing you talk a little bit more about production with Isaiah Collier, production with Nikola Topic, with the feel and all of that. And it's like, okay, I need to balance this a little bit better maybe. I don't even think it's that. I think it's, I'm just trying to find guys that I think, like, I feel a higher degree of confidence can play in the NBA. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) In this draft, that's what I'm trying to find. Uh, It's just early stage at the very least. Right. And I think that the guys I've taken so far, like, I feel a degree of confidence they can play in the NBA. I feel the same way about Alex R. Like, I'm still just trying to find that. Okay. Let's go to number seven. Odd number, which means it is me. I don't know what the injury situation is with this kid, but I'm going to take Stefan Castle, the freshman guard at Connecticut, 6'6", can do stuff on the ball, obviously. Um, Again, I don't know how serious this – I believe it's a knee injury. Hopefully it's not super serious, but um, just another – a high field player – 
can shoot it a little bit. Uh, I know coming out of high school, that was one I kind of got mixed messages on. People I talked to, some thought he could, some thought he couldn't. Definitely an area of growth. But in this two games with UConn, average almost 15 points, 67% from the field, got to the free throw line 15 times in two games. Level of competition, again, I get it. But, um, you know, I, I hopefully we see him back soon and I'm able to do some more evaluation on his game. I think he has some room to grow defensively. I think he has the body and everything that he needs to be kind of a multi-positional defender, probably not quick twitchy point guard types, but twos and maybe threes eventually, but he's got to get better on the defensive. He's got to be able to get down in a stance a little bit better defensively. Yeah. I think he's fine on the ball. Like some of the off ball stuff. I think he's like already getting lost occasionally. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, from a talent perspective, this is a completely reasonable pick. Uh, this was the next guy on my board. So cool. I'm completely there with you. I think he's been pretty impressive in the moments I've seen so far. And yeah, like I hope that he's going to be back pretty soon. It doesn't seem like the injury is super serious, right? Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that was my impression, but uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, so like he's going to miss at least two weeks, but like... Look, as long as he's back, like by the time conference season starts, that's fine. It's just like a knee injury. It looks like a knee sprain, something like that. Nothing crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see him though. Uh, he's averaged 14 and a half points, six and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. Uh, the shot has not fallen at a super high level. He's not taking them at a super high level yet, but you know, I would have loved to have seen him continue to get some reps, get his feet underneath them before conference season, but. You know, maybe he'll get a couple of those games uh, in the non-con to get a chance to do that. I, I really like Stefan Castle, and you know we can just move on to number eight now, too, because I'm going to take Donovan Klingon at number eight. I, that was the next guy as well. So Donovan Klingon is, I understand, a seven-foot center. And we tend not to love these super giants, like seven-foot-two centers, right? That's the reality of where the league is going. Having said that, he's just really good. Like, he's really good defensively on the interior. He completely shuts down the paint every single time. I do think he might be like seven foot three. I talked to him at the Final Four. He mentioned that, like, he like, doesn't seem to be stopping growing anytime soon. And, like, he seemed to think, like, he might be a little bit, old, little bit taller than seven foot two, uh, at least in shoes, maybe. He's just an enormous dude. He takes up so much space on the interior. I think he's one of the best drop coverage defenders I've seen come through the draft cycle in a long, long time. Uh, he is awesome on the interior. He's averaging 15 points in 18 minutes a game right now, in addition to being an awesome interior defender. I, like I think you could put Donovan Klingon in an NBA game right now and just say, hey, go play drop coverage, be a high-level positional impact defender. And I think he could do that right now. He would take way too much off the court offensively. But like, I think from a defensive perspective and drop, I think he is really good. Luke Byrne asks, how does he compare to Lively or Kessler? Lively is very different. Lively, yeah. you can be a little bit more versatile in terms of ball screen coverages. It's a lot more like Kessler, where Kessler is like a great positional drop coverage defender already. Uh, Klingon is that at this stage. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've always had just one question about Klingon, and that was, how does it scale up to more minutes? And we haven't got an answer to that yet. They're still playing him in short spurts. I don't know that he's played over 20 minutes in a game yet. 
Uh, yeah, he played 23 in their last one, but he's averaging less than 20 minutes a game right now. It, it, he's probably never going to play a ton of minutes in the NBA. Like it'll be have to be impactful minutes in a small sample still. I just would like to see a game where he plays 32 minutes and just, I don't know why I'm hung up on this. I just want to see it. I just want to see it for a couple games where he plays a ton of minutes and how he holds up really getting up and down the floor and those type of things. But I agree with him as a player, all the things you've said. I think, so this was my hang up with Zach Eady for a long time. And I think that like, it'll just happen. At yeah. some point, like Klingon had the foot injury in the preseason, and I think they're probably scaling him up, scaling up, scaling him up. And yeah, like he's just a guy like I think Basketball Genesis says it well, like what Klingon does is valuable and there's just not a shortage of his archetype in the NBA. It's kind of true, like in a draft where, again, my goal is to find guys that I think are good at basketball. I think he can play like there are limitations. I completely get it. I'm not fucking ecstatic about taking Donovan Klingon at number eight in a draft, but he's good. He's worth taking, I think, at a certain point. Yeah. I mean, I think where I'm at is there's a, in the next guy I'm about to take, I think is going to get the same responses. There's guys I wanted to move down, Sam. I just haven't seen enough of some of the other guys I'm going to bring up later that I've seen enough of them to feel comfortable moving them up just yet. And maybe I'm just going to be one of those that's a little slow to, you know, pull the trigger on those things. But that's just where I'm at. Like, okay, Ron Holland at one, but I didn't have anybody that I was super comfortable saying number one else, you know, otherwise. So um, you want me to go ahead and go at number at nine? Yeah, let's go. Nine. Number nine. I, I'm going to take Matas and I haven't yeah. been super high on Matas. I like him a lot more towards the back end of the lottery than I did when we were talking about him as number one. I really didn't like that. But if you're telling me now you're getting a 6'9", 6'10", wingy forward who, even if you just tell me now all he does is shoot the ball really well and have good feel, in this class, I feel pretty good about that at this point in the draft now. And then if there's some upside as a creator, secondary playmaking, and whatever he ends up being defensively, which I don't know we know any of that stuff because he hasn't played enough. So that's another thing with him is we are almost solely evaluating him off the high school tape because we've barely got any Ignite tape. What, we got the two Perth games and then that's it. He didn't even do the overseas yeah. one. So we, we've barely seen him. So that's all we have on him. I feel comfortable with him right now until we get more data on him. I will say like you go back and you watch the Perth game. There were definitely stretches where he was pretty invisible. Yes. But he had like a few nice off ball cuts. I thought he understood when to cut to the rim. I thought he understood timing. I do think he can shoot. Like, I, I think that's a real thing. He hit 40% last year at sunrise from three. I think that he is a really interesting player and this was the next guy on my board as well. Perfect. So I'm completely good with you having Modus here at number uh number 9. You took him, right? Yep. I am up at number 10. I think I'm probably going way off board for where you have this guy. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited. I am taking Trey Alexander at number 10. No. I had him 17. No? Item 17. And here's here. Trey is the perfect example of I would love to move Trey ahead of some of these guys I've already taken. 
I'm just a little uncomfortable doing it just yet. And I just watched Trey almost drop a triple double on Iowa. And I love Trey. I just am like, am I ready to do that yet? So maybe I'm just a week or two behind here. So no, I'm cool with it. How freaking good was he against Iowa? It was unbelievable. I'll tell you this. Like, you know, I love my guy Peyton Sanford. That's why I was watching the Iowa game was to watch my guy Peyton. Trey stole the show though. Like Trey was awesome. He's so good. He is so good. His ability now, they're just like playing him on the ball, which is great. Like, I love just seeing him operate on the ball. This is a thing that he did when Ryan Nemhard went down when those two were freshmen. And I thought their offense operated a little bit better uh, when they were freshmen. He played more off the ball last season, obviously. It's this ability to prove that he can play both on and off ball now to me that is so impressive about Trey. I think he's a real lottery prospect at this point. In that game against Iowa, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. He did have 5 turnovers, but he is on the ball a lot at this point for Creighton. Look, as a combo guard that you can probably play next to like a bigger wing creator, something like that. Like I love envisioning him on like the Miami Heat or something like that, where they play like this offense where they need somebody that can play the point, but also you're going to have Jimmy Butler on the ball. You have different guys initiating. You have Bam at a bio bringing the ball up the court regularly uh, to initiate actions himself. I love having him in a scheme like that where you can really, really create uh different ways to get him advantages either by getting him on the move off the ball uh, ahead of time, having him play in ball screens. I think he's been fantastic uh, throughout the course of the season so far. Uh, his overall season numbers, I did mention just the I- the Iowa game numbers, but overall season has been just about the same. 21 points, seven rebounds, six assists so far, only three turnovers per game. Trey's been fantastic, and I'm really, really, really excited about where this goes from here for Trey. I don't know if he gets like into the top five, but I do think the top 10 is like a real potential outcome for Trey. And he's not even shooting it well from three yet. He's three of 10 and he shot 41% last year from three. I think he moves extremely well off the ball. And I just have to share my notes real quick. I put in there in that game. It's like, I'm a little nervous about his ability to create separation. He uses yeah. angle, strength, craft. And then I wrote a couple uh, bullet points later. Never mind. He has some real shit and wiggle to his game because I think he like crossed somebody up or something. And so that's how I write notes to myself is like, nope, you're stupid. Um, and so instead of like deleting it, I make sure and remind myself that I was wrong whenever I wrote down the initial thing. Oh my God. That's amazing. Uh, you are up at number 11, Bryce. I'm in, interested to see your feel on this one because I, I wonder if you've gone a little lower on this guy, but I can't not love him. I'm going to go Tyrese Proctor and I know he hasn't been shooting it very well. I think he went three of seven from three tonight. It was against Bucknell. And I know you had a stat. He went three of six from three tonight. I know you had a stat where it's like the power five schools. He doesn't shoot it well from three. Is that right? That Um, is correct. Yep. And so obviously Bucknell doesn't fall into that. Although shout out Patriot League. That's the the conference I played in. But I, I just, I love the way Tyrese Proctor plays. And you guys said it as well. I think it's going in every time. It should go in more than what it does. Like the jumper just looks good to me from Tyrese Proctor. And so I love his feel. I love the way he plays. I think he's a good defender. And I, I'm just, I'm in on Tyrese Proctor. I think he's a good player. And this is where I had him on my board. And so I'm going to take him here at 11, I believe. 
I remember to put the little bottom line down as well. This is, uh, we, we need to have people be able to see who's been picked already. Uh, yeah, no, I think that Tyrese, uh, where did I have him? He might've been next for me. Uh, he was next for me. So yeah, this is completely reasonable. This is a solid spot for Tyrese. I think I look like I wouldn't be excited about taking him this high. I have worries about the shot. Like I've, I can't remember. Did I mention it to you or did I mention it to somebody else? Uh, there are like Killian Hayes. Stop. Vibes. Stop. No, you said it on that podcast with Ricky O'Donnell. And I was, as soon as you said it, I dropped him 20 spots on my big board. And then I like calmed down. I had my cup of coffee and then I put him back where he was, but I'm like, you, you can't start doing stuff like that, Sam. That just, that you can't do that. There are, I'm not saying that he has, he doesn't have more upside than that. He definitely does. Because I think he has a way better chance to shoot than what Killian does. And if you told me Killian Hayes could shoot, totally good different NBA, prospect. Very good right? NBA player. Yep. Very, very good NBA player. So I love what Proctor does on defense. I think he's terrific on that end. Uh, I think that he is a very real potential ball screen in defense guy. He can't separate from anybody is a yeah. real issue. Like he needs a ball screen to create. Uh, basketball Genesis. Uh, asks, how does he compare to Jalen Hutchfield? Different body type, though. Different body type, way more feel as a live dribble pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not even comparable, I think. In but not respect. the mid range jumper that JHS had. Like, JHS mm-hmm. could. Well, no, but like, has has the ability to get into his mid range from like weirder footwork. No, okay. That's which is yes, interesting. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think he's got crafty little, like, He's got a little bounce, not like vertical bounce, but he just kind of bounces to his game and gets to his spots. If those start, it is so much Killian Hayes. God dang it. Let's go on. I know. Because that's what I say about Killian Hayes. Like if the shots would just go. All right. Next guy. We got to move on. Gosh dang it. Next up. I am selecting out of Virginia at number 12, Ryan Dunn. I love you. This is amazing. You're the best. I am. I'm going like full. Like I think this guy can play in the NBA. I am taking him. Is where I'm it. at in this class. I Ryan Dunn is a fucking elite defender. He is utterly elite on the defensive end of the court. He is a six foot eight, six foot nine dude with super long arms. He flies around the court defensively. He's unbelievable rotationally on defense. Uh, he is great in terms of stocks, steals, and blocks. Uh, but defensively, he's great on the ball. He's timely with his rotations. There, there is not, you could put him into an NBA game right now and he would be a good defensive player. I think from day one, I don't know what you would do with him on offense. I know like we talked about it, uh, on the last show that we did that he hit 40% from three in high school. We haven't seen anything resembling that yet. And we need to be very clear about that, but he impacts offense in little ways as a cutter, as an offensive rebounder. He's nowhere near as athletic as the star Thompson is. So I don't think that that role would really fly for him. I do think he needs to shoot, but if he shoots, he is like a top 60 player in the league. I think Ryan Dunn, like there, there is real, real upside. If you think he can shoot. And if you buy into the high school shooting in any way, shape or form, this is, a really, really interesting player. No, I mean, it's higher than what I would have him. I have him at 23, 
But again, I'm a little more subtle with how I move guys around my Ryan Dunn was a guy. So I had this document, Sam, of 40 pages. It was my surface level scouting. And some guys it wasn't surface level, some guys it was. He made that document, that original document of guys I just wanted to have an idea of. But I'll be honest, like I didn't even watch film on it. It was just a guy I did a little bit of research, looked up the stats, just and so like he's come a long ways in just four games. I think he has 21 stocks in four games or something like that. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. Everything you said about him defensively is true. I think the shot looks completely different every time he shoots. Um, so yeah, I don't know what he does offensively, but like you said, if you're just looking for a guy that you know can play on one end of the floor and figure figure it out from there, then then I'm cool with it, so. It's, I think he can be elite on defense. Like, I think he can be like OG Ananobi on defense is where I'm at on him, which is why I've taken him this high. Uh, you are up at number 13, Bryce. This is a kid that I've come around on, um, Zachary Reesisher. And I'm going to take Rizzoche. him. Here. Say it again. Rizache. Riz- See, I swear I looked it up and I've, I promise I've tried to do my homework. Shout out UCLA, Sam. UCLA does it right. If you go to the UCLA website, you can click on the little ear icon and it's the player saying their name the way that it's supposed to be said. So, um, cause I do, I, I get very frustrated when people don't say prospects names, right? So I thought I had it right here, but obviously I did not. So I should have done some more research. No, it's okay. What do you like about Zach Rizache so far? So I thought he looked like he was one that he was young and talented, but it hadn't translated yet. Like it wasn't going to be there. And then now he's putting up numbers. Like he's shooting the ball well. He's 41% on catch and shoot threes. And that's not shooting well on unguarded ones right now, but he's still 39% overall. He's averaging 11 points in what was three of his last five games. He's hit five in a game, three, two of three from another one. He has a little bit off the bounce. He can attack a closeout. I think he can get out and run in transition. I think he's listed as 6'9", 6'10", wing. Um, he's 71% overall at the rim, 52% in the half court. Like he's j- like, it was talent and it was projectable. And now I think he's actually putting it on the court at such a young age. And so that's made me feel more comfortable, like leaving him in this area of the draft. I think he does some interesting things defensively. I think he could eventually be like a low man, weak side rim protector guy. I even have in my notes that he does some nice ball screen navigation for someone his size. Like he has the fundamental footwork to do that. So I'm just, I'm kind of excited about him. And so he's kind of, he's risen. I, I know for some people they have him like top five, I'm not there, but I like him here at the end of the lottery. Yeah, I, I don't mind taking Rizache. I think I had him at like 16 or 17, something like that. No, nothing crazy. I don't know how he separates. I still don't love the footwork uh, on the like basically anything kind of. It feels like he takes like extra steps a lot of the time to me. And then the, the shot is just very flat still even. I think he's improved a little bit in that respect from when I saw him live at Hoop Summit, but yeah. Look, I had him in the top 20. Like, I think this is completely reasonable to take him here, though. Like, where are cool. you taking him? Okay. I am up at number 14. I am going to go. I'm going to go Kyle Filipowski. Okay. 
And the reason for that is, again, like if I'm just like going off of my idea here of I want guys that I feel confident will play in the NBA. Uh, I think Kyle Filipowski will play in the NBA. He is a big who can dribble pass shoot. Uh, I do buy the shot. I know that it hasn't gone in at like some crazy level yet for a big spacer that you're kind of hoping for, but he's tough. I think that his defense has always been a little bit underrated in space. Like I think he can actually move and I think he can flip his hips now a little bit better. I talked about him a lot on the show with Ricky O'Donnell. I would implore you to listen to that. Look, I would rather take him at like 20 to 25 in a normal draft than take him at 14. But again, like I, I think that this is a guy that will probably be like a great third big man in the NBA and could create some real mismatch potential in a few different ways, just with his ability to handle the ball, uh, with his toughness, with his potential to shoot it. He's shown flashes as a passer as well, which is really what I've kind of been waiting to see. Uh, I still think he gets tunnel visiony at times and like tosses up some ugly ones around the basket. That's why his shooting percentages, I think will never be like wildly high in college, but I do like enough of what I've seen from Filipowski to where I'll take him at 14 and just feel like this is a guy that will play in the NBA. Yeah. No, he has great size. I kind of buy the skill more than maybe it's always translated to production, at least at times. Like I do, I'm with you. I think the shot is going to fall. And so even if he's just kind of a stretch big with good size at six, 11, seven foot, but he's also like a strong and he can move a little bit. So like you said, yeah, if he ends up being a third big, that's probably fine for even where you're taking him at this point. And so yeah, he's a good player. I, I liked Filipowski a lot last year. And then, you know, um, whatever he, the decision not to go, you know, whatever and do the offseason surgery and all of that. There's some athleticism, vertical pop limitations, all of that, but just a good quality player. Okay. You are up at number 15. I, I'm just going to stay with it. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Garway Dual. And this was who was next for me. I was deciding between him and Flip. Uh, yeah, I, I I realize these people are going to say, well, he's coming off the bench for Providence and whatever. And whatever happened, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast with tonight with the K-State player and all of that, as long as it's not some bigger thing. I just think he's a 6'5 point guard with has some insane feel. I might've talked about this the last podcast, but he had a two minute stretch against Milwaukee. He no looks a pass to the middle of the press. He gets a steal in transition on the ball handler. Cause he anticipates where he's going. Then he ball fakes the zone, zings a no look pass to the baseline. And then, um, this seems really silly, Sam, but I'm watching him. A shot goes up. He's in the backside corner. He knows he's the safety for their defense, and he takes off sprinting to half court to get where he's supposed to be in defensive transition. I love nerdy stuff like that. And then on top of that, talk about some wiggle. This dude has some shit to his game. He put a like between the leg cross in and out that they called a carry because it's college basketball where he completely lost the defender against K-State. And it's true. And so you combine all of that when it all comes together. I think he has a chance to be really, really good. 
Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, he's super creative in terms of his mindset on the court. Uh, in terms of like thinking of ways to break down defenders, like he's very instinctive and reactive and combines that with his inherent creativity. He's also a fucking dude on defense. Yeah. Like his ability to defend at the point of attack, fight through screens, pressure. He is just such a stud on defense. I, I am such a fan of his. Um, real quick, this draft seems like it's so full of mini product. It's also super early is some of this as well. Whenever yeah. a month from now, six weeks from now, when we have more data, again, when we have six more games on Justin Edwards, and if they all look the way the first four have shown, we're not going to need to talk about him as, oh, well, the high school tape was this. Like, it's going to be the Dylan Mitchell yeah. free fall. That's what it's going to be. And that very well may happen. But some were comfortable falling after four games. I'm a little more comfortable after eight games. But some of this is just due to the data and the sample size we have right now on these guys. So I agree with what you're saying. In general, I will say typically by now we have a good sense of who the elite guys are. Uh, yes. And that's because there and are no don't elite have guys that. because there are none, right? Like, I don't think either of us think there are going to, do you think there's going to be anybody? I assume. So like, this is the way I think about it. I think about it in terms of numbers, right? So over the last four drafts, I've had 15 guys in tier one or tier two, or, you know, I called Victor Wembanyama's tier, like tier Vic, right? Of those 15 players that I've had in those top two tiers, how many do you think were identified in the preseason? 10. 10. That's exactly right. There were 10. So that leaves five for four years. So one year, I'm assuming that something like one guy, one or two guys will rise into tier two because that's what happens. We just don't know right now. And that's okay. You know, I didn't, I, I was earlier on Brandon Miller than everybody else was last year, just because I'd heard that he'd been killing in off season workouts and killing at Alabama from NBA scouts, not to pat myself on the back. I heard the same from NBA scouts on Tyrese Proctor last year on DJ Wagner this year, like, Totally. It's hit or miss with that. Right. But I didn't have him at tier two at that point, but he jumped into tier two by the end of the process. I had, um, Vic scoot, Amen Thompson, uh, all in that tier at that point. And then I think both Whitmore and, uh, and Miller jumped into that tier for me by the end. So yeah, no, it's, it's tricky uh, to try and identify, but I think somebody will, and it's still just determining who that's going to be. Okay. Number 16. I'm up. It looks like, yep. Oh, this is where it gets like, you could pick literally any human being on planet earth. I feel like, and I'll be like, yeah, sounds good. Um, I'm going to take Cody Williams out of Colorado. Love it. Cody Williams. Had a really good game against Milwaukee, I thought, uh, in their second game. I did watch the Towson game. I did not think he was very effective. What I've liked so far about Cody Williams is the passing and playmaking. He's been yes. very unselfish. He's been able to play in transition and be creative in that way. Uh, the scoring will be a thing to watch throughout the course of the season. I'm really interested to see him once he gets to Pac-12 play. I think he's a little bit more comfortable than what I thought 
he would be in the preseason. I thought he had a chance to be somebody that like really struggled early on, but he's come out. He's been aggressive. He's been able to get to his spots in a better way than somebody like even Justin Edwards has, in my opinion. Yep. So I did have Cody Williams ahead of Justin Edwards on my board. Um, I would take Cody Williams here at 16, I guess is where I'm at. Yeah, uh, this was another one where I was actually a little lower on Cody Williams coming out of high school. And so um, me even having him, I had him at number 16 on my board. And that's actually a pretty big jump for me because I wasn't a huge fan. But like the first bullet point in my notes from his game versus Milwaukee was I'm seeing the passing in the field in his game. That wasn't something I got watching the high school that I watched what I saw and it may have been synergy clips but it really showed up in that game I felt like he's very fluid and smooth player um has a little bit of vertical juice he had a transition poster dunk in that game the jumper's a little slow but he had a catch and shoot that he made I thought the defense was just okay he's got to get in a stance and then this is going to be true for a lot of freshmen he's got to get stronger so he can hold his line on his offensive drives hold up defensively when people are driving against him but yeah, I am jumping more on the Cody Williams bandwagon for sure. Okay. Uh, number 17, you're up. I have Almanza here and I haven't been <laughs> his biggest fan. We've talked about this just a little bit. I think I'm giving all these Ignite guys a pass right now just because I'm like, this, <laughs> this is just, I'm not going to hold it against them. I refuse to hold it against them right now. And we'll talk about at least one more here in a little bit. So we've talked about Almansa a little bit just in terms of the archetype of player. Like you're hoping he can be this high feel, even though he's not a high athletic player. Maybe the jumper comes around a little bit. The production hasn't even been that great in the three overseas plus the three regular season. I think they're playing right now as we're recording as well. But um I'm still going to buy into just the feel and some of those things. And he's what, like one of the most decorated young players from overseas. So, um, you know, you got to hope maybe that eventually translates a little bit as well. Okay. Yeah. I don't disagree. I've been a little bit more concerned with the athleticism than what I'd hoped coming in, but the feel is there. Like the passing ability is very clear. He's very comfortable playing in short role situations. Like there are things that he does that are quickly translatable to the NBA. I do keep kind of sliding him down. I feel like on my personal board, uh, but you know, what can you do? Yep. Okay. So you took him at 17, 17. All right. I am up at number 18. I will take, <laughs> Oh, can't wait. The the next guy on my board is like fucking hilarious. Bryce. I'm just going to do it. Fuck it. I'm taking Reed Shepard. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I watched Reed Shepard play that first game against New Mexico State after an NBA scout clued me in. Shout out to that person. I was like, oh my God, this is a dude. Uh, then I watched him against Kansas. I thought he was the best player on the court against Kansas for Kentucky. Uh, then I watched him against Stonehill tonight and he drops 25, seven assists, two blocks, three steals, uh, stocks update for Reed Shepard in four games. Do you know how many stocks Reed Shepard has in four games so far for 20? He has, let's see here. 
20. Yeah, he is 20. That's exactly That's right. Crazy. Five a game. He is a six foot two, like, let's be real about it, like a six foot two, like, white kid who is not the, like, incredible athlete. It's just that his hands are so unbelievably quick and his feel and his instincts are that good to where it's just like, okay, whatever. Uh, he went seven for eight from three tonight. He went nine for 10 from the field. He never makes a mistake. I feel like when I watch him, like truly like that shot that he took, like fading away at the end of the game against Kansas, that was probably a little bit earlier than he had to. I think that's the first mistake I've seen him make all year. Like he, he is the most, he is the highest feel for the game. I think of any player in this draft class that I've seen, I just kind of can't keep dropping him at a certain level. I get that. He does not look like any player currently in the NBA, but he's just fucking good at basketball, man. Like at at what point does being good at basketball matter, Bryce? Like, He is a, I think he's 19. I think he's a little bit older than like your typical freshman. So, you know, it, it is what it is there. But at what point does just being really good at basketball matter? He's clearly really good at basketball. No, he is. I mean, I, I told you, I think you text me about him or maybe we were talking before or something. And I just said, like, I was watching Kentucky and they have all these dudes, right? Like you're trying to watch Justin Edwards and you're trying to watch DJ Wagner and you're all of these and Dillingham, who's been quite honestly been really good himself. Like it's been great. those two yep. have been, I think tonight them off the bench was just insane. The numbers they put up and they, they've been the two best players for Kentucky in the first three games. They were very clearly the two best players for Kentucky again tonight for the love of God, start them. Yep, they are right. the two best players that you have on your team. Yeah. And he found a way in my notes still, like it, it wasn't his own section, but I wrote down like Reed Shepard is pretty good. Like, who is this kid? Cause you say like, he doesn't look the part. You just kind of, okay, this is going to be a really good college player. Like that's the easy thing to do. And I will say like, he moved from like nowhere, anywhere in my radar to, he like keeps moving columns over. I won't go through what each column means, but essentially he's in the, I want four or five more games sample. And I understand if you're like, you know what? He's been really, really good through all of these games. I don't need to see anymore. I completely understand that. I'm just, again, I, I think I, I'm i a little slower to jump guys a whole lot of spots. So, No, I, I don't blame you for that. Uh, I think it's completely reasonable to wait on him because he is – Still so, so early. Like, it's still so early, and nobody thought he was going to be a one-and-done. Like, he was the fifth-best prospect on this team coming into the year, right? So, I get it. Also, he's really goddamn good at basketball. He's very good at basketball. Like, he's, I think, the smartest player I've seen play basketball, like, outside of the NBA this year. So, I just can't get past that at a certain point. I'm sorry. I'm taking him at 18 here. Uh, you are up at 19, Bryce. Oh, man. Um, you make me feel like an idiot for going with the next guy because the next guy is going to be no. the complete opposite of what you just said. But I feel a lot better with this guy here than where he's been talked about in a month ago. I'm going to take Riley Kugel here. And I feel okay. a lot better about Riley Kugel at 19 than when we were talking about him as a 
top 10, top five and all of that. Like if you're telling me I can get Riley Kugel with his, like in the top 10, the finishing concerns scare me to death. The lack of feel scares me to death. Some of the defensive awareness scares me to death. If you're telling me I can get somebody at 19 with his athleticism, his potential scoring profile, especially like, I feel like he is a little bit living off the 10 games to in last season still. And that's going to wear off eventually if this season doesn't start having that same production. So again, it's a little bit like some of these high school kids where I've said, I'm living off the high school film. I'm a little bit living off Riley Kugel's last 10 games of last season to even have him here. But he has shown it. And he still had a game where he scored 23. He scored 17 on Virginia. Very, very inefficient. He hasn't shot it well from three yet. But at this point, I'm I'm okay betting on maybe he can just be a nuclear scorer off the bench. Maybe that hits. If you just start hearing like, guttural noises over here i'm just gonna like it's just gonna be like i pulled up reed shepherd's tape again uh <laughs> just watching him against stonehill uh it's just funny like to take riley Hoogle right after reed shepherd no that's what i'm saying it's the same position like the same kind of idea but just so drastically different as complete players opposite. complete opposite. Uh, and i tend to value like the super feel and shooting and Fair. uh kugel is an unbelievable athlete like completely uh, valid to take him here based off of the blend of explosiveness into power. I didn't have him in my top 30 just because the feel is so, so like far away. It feels like they beat Florida state tonight by 20. They were up 30 at halftime. Yeah. Uh, what did he do? I, I, I turned that game on expecting to see like, Oh, I'm gonna get something out of this. And then it was already a blowout. And so, yeah, no, it, it was, you know, he went, you know, two for nine with 10 points, but it was a blowout. Like you said, uh, Zion Poulin and Walter Clayton were the big I guards in that yeah, game. For it them. sounded like Clayton was having a big night just from the broadcast. So, yeah, yeah. He ended up with 19 points and five assists. He played well. Good um, shout out Alex Condon too, my Australian brethren. Hey, I've been uh, meaning to you. Yeah. I need to talk to you about that guy. He's good. He keep, good player. He keeps catching. He keeps catching my eye every time I turn Florida on. Yep, I told people coming into the preseason, he's really good. Uh, we'll see if he's their starter by the end of the year. They have hand locked in, so I like Micah really too. Good. I like Micah. Yeah. I, I keep saying to people like Florida is really good. Like even if yeah. Riley Kugel is below yeah. what he was last year. They just have a lot of dudes and yeah. they're going to be a really good basketball. Will team. Richard had like back to back 18, 20 point game. Like Will Richard can shoot the laces off the ball and he defends like there's real yep. dudes on this team and there's real depth of dudes. Yeah. They have seven dudes that can really go like Zion Poulin and Alex Condon off the bench are both really good. They win that game against Virginia. If they had Zion Poulin, I think so like in Virginia is a top 25 team. In my opinion, I think there's a good chance Florida is a top 25 team by the yep. end of the year. Yep. Okay. Uh, I am up now at number 20, I believe, or am I yep. at 22? I think it's 20. Okay. Number 20, I am going to take, I will take Ade Mara. No. Is that who you wanted next? Yes. Yeah. So Mara, you know, hit or miss, obviously, through the early portion of the season, didn't play a ton in... UCLA's first two games last night 
I believe last night. I at least watched it yesterday. It's Australia. I don't know what time teams play anymore. Uh, they played LIU. He went yep. six for nine from the field. He actually played 24 minutes. He had a couple of awesome passes uh, playing in the way that he's so capable of. High posts, being able to just see over the top and dictate action that way. Had four blocks in that game. I thought he was really, really impressive. It was kind of everything that we had hoped to see from him. I will also say, like, getting a little bit harder to justify having him below or having him above a Dembona, given the way a Dem has started the season, he's averaging 18 points, nine rebounds, uh, shooting 57% from the field and, you know, obviously flying around defensively in the way we know he's capable of, but I really like what I've seen from both of them so far, at least Mara in that last game. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing, UCLA throughout the course of the season because at some point here they're going to get Burke Buyaktenchel hopefully and uh, Burke can really play too. Yeah, I'm excited about him. He he was right outside of uh, this activity for me. Yeah, he had a couple of those really nice passes from the elbow. He actually had a couple elbow jumpers as well. I think he hit two elbow jumpers, and yeah, I, I just he looked very young. And I know that sounds silly, but they showed like the close up of his face a couple of times. He's only 18. He turns 19 in April. And so he's seven, three, seven, four. And you just know he's going to eventually grow into that body a little bit more, but he looks skilled. He had a couple of nice or at least one, I think lefty hook shot. I'm just, you know, you talk about size. He can move a little bit and has some skill with it. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy that. So I, I really like that. All right, you're up at number 21. I'm going to take my guy Tyler Smith here, and I know I've talked about Tyler Smith's defense a little bit. He's been shooting the laces off the ball. He has been shooting that thing, and I made a comment earlier about you know the G League Ignite and not necessarily having a point guard or whatever, so it's not like he has somebody just setting him up all the time. In the six games um, before tonight's game, where they went overseas and then the start of the season, he is 56% from the three-point line. So he um, is a good player. He is six foot ten, sweet-looking lefty shooting stroke. I really like Tyler Smith. The defense will continue to grow and improve. Would like to see him be a little more impactful on the defensive boards as well, just in general. Yeah. But I like what he can bring offensively. He's had some flashes of some passing stuff that's really intriguing. Even if he can just operate a DHO and hit the back door, I'm not talking about like a Demara stuff or, you know, like that, but just, just keep the ball moving, the flow of the offense going. Uh, I'm going to take Tyler Smith here and feel pretty good about him just being able to be a quality NBA player. Uh, Rafael Barlow brought up a point on Twitter a couple of days ago where he said, Tyler Smith has been the best player for the ignite so far. And look like he's right first and foremost part of it is because everybody's been kind of a disaster outside of Tyler but like I kind of agree like he's helped himself a lot I think that it's completely reasonable to take him in like the 20 to 35 range I had him on my board here uh just a couple slots lower than this at 23 so yeah this is a great pick I think it's completely reasonable to take him just for the record right now, we have made 23 selections. 20, is that right? 21. 21. And we've only gone to the number 24 player on my board other than Reed Shepard. 
Okay. I was going to say, if I didn't go that far off the board for Reed Shepard, I would be disappointed. But I mean, uh, but other than that, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Next up for me, I am going to go with Bobby Clintman at 22. Love it. Bobby Clintman uh, has been productive so far for Cairns uh, here in the G League or here in the NBL. I'm sorry. Uh, he goes through these stretches, I think is like the easiest way to say it, where the way that Adam Ford plays him is he brings him in for like a five minute stretch and then puts him on the bench for a five minute stretch, right? Like he plays the five minute rotations and basically once every four of those rotations. So once a game, he's the best player on the court, like for that entire thing. And he just goes and produces and does every single thing imaginable to help his team win. Like he's active defensively, he knocks down shots. He just gets super, super uh, like into the game and like he's super engaged and like active and aggressive and his feel looks great. Like it's across the board. He looks really, really good. And then like he goes through these other three stretches where he's like kind of invisible. He might make a pick and pop. Like he might do some stuff here and there, but so far he is shoot, averaging 11 points and six rebounds and 1.4 steals and 0.9 blocks playing 24 minutes a game in a professional league as a 20 year old and a 20 year old that does not have a lot of high level basketball experience. He comes from Sweden. He looks like an NBA player uh, athletically when you watch him, like he's a little bit slow, like he doesn't have like the crazy lift vertically when he's going off of one foot or like, unless he can really load up at like as a cutter or out in transition, but big wings, you know, you've talked about it. Throughout the course of this show, big wings. They're valuable in today's NBA, especially if you think they can shoot. And the other thing was he didn't get a lot of time early at Wake Forest last year either. You know, the the minutes didn't really come for him until later in the season. And he was a guy that a lot of people thought was a late first, early second round pick in last year's draft class. And then he's gone to the NBL and I thought it's played well. I'm with you. I think he's played well. The number, the shooting is probably the thing that's going to be the hang up for a lot of people. And probably why I would take Tyler Smith over him is because, you know, Tyler has shot it well. And I believe in the jumper more than I do in Clintman's. I think Clintman's a really good off ball mover. I actually like have in my notes multiple times about making timely off the ball cuts, which also then translates to being a good offensive rebounder and those type of things. Yep. I, I still want to see him be a higher level defensive playmaker at his size and his length. And he's done it at times. I think you laid it out perfectly. Like there's just these stretches where, man, he is awesome. And then there's stretches where he may play five minutes and you don't really notice him a lot. But at this point in the draft, in the mock, I, I think he's a great pick. Okay. Bryce, you're up at number 23. I'm going to go with a guy you mentioned just a little bit ago. I, I'm going to take a Dimbona. And I watched that game uh, with this dude. You talk about Mara looking young. A Dimbona does not look young. He looks like a grown <laughs> ass man. Yeah. And I won't say exactly what my notes say, but he is something vertically explosive. Like it, he can pop off the floor. He hit a couple mid-range jumpers. Um, he did this DHO keep that I really liked. Cause for me, I'm like, okay, what is the offensive game? Like, can he do yeah. some of this other yeah. stuff? He ended up missing the reverse, but those are the type of plays I want to see him try. Can he eventually do those type of things? The best move of the night was he had this like shot fake, jab 
one-two dribble, jump stop, and then a left-hand finish. I realize it's against LIU, no shot at LIU, but I, I thought he looked good. It's interesting because he's having to play almost exclusively on the perimeter defensively playing next to Mara. I don't mind that just because it shows off his versatility. So I just watched him play. He's a nightmare on the boards, showed a little bit offensively. We know he's great defensively. I like him in this spot. Okay. I'm realizing I only have four more picks left and there are guys that I want to talk about for sure, which is a bit disappointing. I'm getting that way as well. I'm going to go at 24. I'm going to go with Bob Carrington out of pit. Okay. This was just kind of like, I kind of thought, I thought that you might have him in your top 30. I was a little bit surprised you didn't, but knowing now like where your head is at on this in terms of being a little bit patient, I think that's like completely reasonable. Uh, Carrington has been absolutely fantastic this season uh, at Pittsburgh. Uh, Just looking through the numbers here, I'm like trying to pull them up as we're talking i just gonna say real quick like very well if we did this on thursday he could be in the top 20 for me like it's just it's i hate to put too much weight on one game i want to see it against a power five opponent yeah no i mean look Pitt has not played anybody yet it's a completely reasonable sentiment to say that like Pitt has not played anybody yet uh but so far bob carrington is averaging 18 points Six rebounds, seven assists, shooting 56% from the field, uh, 47% from three, 83% from the line. Uh, this was a guy that in the preseason, I got a good friend of mine who is a scout who went to a pit practice, uh, mentioned like, keep an, keep an eye on Bub. Like he's going to go from the jump. He's going to be really, really good. I didn't expect this. <laughs> I didn't expect anything like this. He's six foot five, you know, pretty good frame but like so a little bit skinny for sure sure the passing feel is the first thing that like immediately stands out like he is super unselfish with the ball he's averaging seven assists per game really really sharp in how he thinks about the game it seems like as we mentioned earlier in the show i do want to see a little bit more in terms of how he is able to collapse defenses uh is he going to be able to get that kind of rim protection he's going to be able to get uh that kind of like paint presence that you need to be able to to break down defenders as a point guard or is he going to be more of like a ball moving wing who can knock down shots like that's a real question for me there's a chance this guy goes in the lottery i think just straight up like i think that is a real potential outcome in this draft i also want to see it against real teams though but bub so far i think has been absolutely terrific he's six foot five he can dribble fast shoot and that those guys get drafted early that's the reality of it well, I'm looking at it and I'm like, if he continues to do this and let's say Proctor continues to not shoot well against power five opponents, I could see in the next four weeks having Carrington above Proctor, you know, like yeah. there's similar type of players as these like skinnier, longer on ball creators who may not do a ton in isolation, but op- operate a ball screen. And if Bub is rebounding better, averaging more assists and shooting the three better, then how long can we keep Bub below Tyrese? You know, and yeah. so it, it could happen again by Christmas. So it, it just it, it'll depend as we get more data. Well, you know what the cool thing about like Bub versus Proctor is, right? They'll play each other twice and like I think it's within like ten days. I think when I looked at the Pittsburgh schedule, they play each other twice in ten days or something. That's dead on. So I'm excited for that. Uh you're up at number twenty five, Bryce. You outlawed me being able to talk about this kid. Oh, and go this- ahead. 
you're, you're and then, no, no, I know. I'm setting, I'm setting the stage. And then he went out midnight because it's on the West Coast and knocked off St. Mary's. I am I'm taking Dylan. What? What? I'm, I'm sorry that you're old and can't stay up till midnight, Bryce. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that you don't live in Australia and you can't just watch these games live. By the way, still have not watched this game yet, despite the fact that I told you I was going to like the next morning. <laughs> just haven't gotten to it yet. I do get jealous of you sometimes. I, I figured up the time change. I'm like, these games are coming on for you, like prime part of the day for you to watch them. Um, so I, I got to talk to my wife about moving to Australia. They, they, do, they have in, do they have need for nurses and teachers in Australia, Sam? Yes, they do. Certainly. Okay. All right. We'll talk about over. it. Dylan Jones is the guy that I'm talking about. I found a way to sneak his name into every episode for the first five or so that I did with Sam over here on Game Theory. Deal it. You you've you've mentioned the phrase, and and I understand this. Like you want to find players that you just believe can contribute on the NBA floor, right? You've said that over and over. Yep. That's Dylan Jones. Dylan Jones like led college basketball and defensive rebounding last year. Dylan Jones can score it. I think Dylan Jones is a better defender than if you turn on the tape and just watch it because Dylan Jones and his coaching staff knows that Dylan Jones can't get in foul trouble. So essentially he has to make sure he does not get in foul trouble so he can stay on the floor and play 40 minutes a night all season long, which is essentially what he did last year and what he's going to do this year. He does everything for this team. He has gotten to the free throw line 32 times in three games, Sam. He is 29 to 32 from the free throw line, and he's a really good player. I've said it. He's transformed his body this summer. He looks physical and strong, and especially if he shoots it, I think he could go this high if not higher. Yeah, I'm actually just looking through. Can you keep talking about Dylan Jones? Because I know that you can talk about him ad nauseum. Uh, there's something specific I'm looking for here. Just I want to get your take on it. Uh, keep talking about Dylan real quick and what you Yeah, so about. anybody who isn't familiar, he's like this bulky wing forward that essentially plays point guard for his Weber State team. So they're running pick and rolls for him. He's operating those. He has very high feel. He's not going to wow you with like this crazy vertical pop. He went through the pre-draft process last year. He went out to Hoop Summit and just shined on the Portland yeah. Generals team in the scrimmages, went to the G League Combine, shined, got invited to the actual Combine, and bet on himself and came back to Weber State because he wanted to show and be a first-round pick. And that that's who he is. So he's like these – like think Grant Williams is kind of what he looks like. I'm not saying the game is the same, but that's kind of what he looks like, just his body frame. He's not the shooter Grant is but he's better off the bounce and, and can pass and distribute and is a high, 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 high level defensive rebounder. So typically when I watch Weber state, I understand that he can't contest shots at the basket, right? Like you can't risk that like point blank. Um, I tried to go back through the combine scrimmage games to see if he blocked any shots. Sure. Right. So far in 90 games of his career, do you know how many blocks Dylan Jones has? Uh, 22. Five. <laughs> in 90 games. And again, I want to be clear. I think that part of that is like they they very clearly tell him like, do not get in foul trouble. Yes. Like, don't risk it. Don't do anything. Yes. Also, like, he's very ground bound as yeah. a player. Yes. And I don't know, man. Like... It, 
that's like that's like one of those numbers that's like a red flag in some way, shape, or form, like having sure. that few blocks. But also, like I agree with you, he just knows how to fucking play. I want to see where the shooting settles. We've talked yes. about the shooting before. Yes. Um, I really, really like Dylan. I think I would have him in my top forty or so right now. I'm totally with you. Like just believing Dylan Jones is an NBA player. Let's take him at the end of the first round. Reasonable take. Uh, I, I'm I am in on Dylan Jones. Uh, to a pretty solid extent now. Cool. Okay. Next up, number 26 for me. Okay, I'm going to avoid that person because I think you're going to take him. Okay. There, I have three left. Okay, this is good. I have three left. Uh, at 26, I'm going to take Tristan De Silva. Oh, dang. Out of Colorado. So, yeah, again, my theory, I'm going to take good players. Tristan De Silva knows how to play basketball. He's six foot eight, six foot nine ish, something like that. Not just a post player, like can play some center for Colorado, but operates more like off the catch and out of spot ups. He can drive. He can really dribble past shoot. Uh, I think he can knock down shots from distance, but if he gets a mismatch opportunity, he can take you down on the block and be able to score that way with his footwork. He can put his shoulder into you and drive and get to the basket that way. He is just like a real mismatch threat. Every single time I watch him, I love to watch Tristan De Silva play. I'm really excited to see Colorado throughout the rest of this season. I think Colorado uh, has a real chance to be very, very good between him, Cody Williams, and KJ Simpson. Awesome team. We haven't seen a lot of Colorado yet, so I don't know that I really need to like update anything on what we've talked about with Tristan previously, because I feel like we've talked about Tristan a lot. Um, but again, it's just six foot eight triple pass shoot. Uh, you know, not a great athlete. That's the big difference. Like you can squint and see some of the things that Franz Wagner, his fellow German uh, does at six foot eight, six foot nine, but he's just not the athlete in terms of flexibility. What about Batum? What about of, Batum? Like late uh, career, late career well, Batum? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because Nick, like, when he got to the NBA, was a fucking joke athletically. And like, a better was... passer, probably. But, like, what about Batum yeah. as the passing's gone down and the athleticism's gone down a little bit? It's interesting. It's it's definitely interesting. It's definitely that kind of role, like the bigger six foot eight, six foot nine guy that's going to play the four as, like, a second big kind of out there. I would love to see him rebound better to be yeah, able to yes. play that role, particularly. Yes, 100%. That's a big thing for Tristan, but I love the skill set. I love the ability to do different things, I would say. Uh, yeah, so I, let's go. Yeah, let's go with Tristan De Silva at 26. No, I like it. I don't have anything. I, I have, I'm glad you brought up the rebounding. I had that in my notes as well. But I watched that Colorado game finally, and I fell in love with both of these guys more than what I was going in. And so um, they both moved into my first round, where quite honestly, they may not have either been in my first round before I watched the game. So I came away really impressed by both. Okay, let's go. Number 27, Bryce. I'm going to take Dalton Connect. And Okay, this this is the guy that I said I thought you would take. So yeah. I'm glad that you took him. Here's the thing with Dalton. You can talk to pretty much anybody and they'll tell you this guy can score the basketball, that he is a NBA-level scorer, potentially at all three levels. He's a late bloomer. I have a soft spot for Dalton because he had to go Juco. That was something I did. 
And then he went to Northern Colorado. Now he's obviously at Tennessee. So he is an older player, which I think at this point in the draft, we haven't talked like grand scheme draft philosophy stuff. And we don't need to right now, but I think this is the type of guy teams in this range are going to be looking for, but he's big time athletic. We've seen all of the posters, but he can shoot and he hasn't shot it that well yet at Tennessee, but he has a little bit of stuff to his game. He can score in different levels. And I think he's trying defensively right now. And I think that was a huge component of why he went to Tennessee. And another reason that makes me buy into him and love him is he said, hey, if I want to go to the NBA, I don't need to transfer up to a school that only is going to ask me to play offense. I'm going to transfer to a school where the coach will literally set my ass on the bench if I don't play defense. And so he went somewhere to challenge himself. I think he's trying to do so. I think the defense will get better throughout the year. And at the end of the day, I think he's a bucket with really good athleticism. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, look, I'm glad about the defense, right? Like that's it. That's always been the def- It's always been the defense for Dalton. If he can defend, he will be an NBA player because he can shoot. Like the shooting is real. I think the ability to like play with the ball in his hands a little bit is real. They've done some interesting things posting him here and there. Yeah, the mid post of the season that I think are interesting. Uh, they're moving him off ball. Like they're running a lot of fun, creative actions, like some flare stuff for him, uh, some veer stuff for him, like on comeback stuff toward the ball. I think he's been really, really good uh, for Tennessee so far. The offense has been there and, you know, he's very clearly their go-to guy on t- like you yes. watch their games, like late in the games, if they need a bucket, like they're going to him. So, and I think that Tennessee team is fucking awesome. Like, I think they're going to be, Look, I did a top 25 with CJ and the CJ Moore in the preseason and we had Tennessee at like three, I think below Kansas and Duke. And we got a lot of shit for it because people were like, it's Tennessee. It's Rick Barnes. Like, Rick, you know, Rick Barnes never goes to the final four. They don't have any stars on this team. I was just like, they're deep as shit, man. They're awesome. They're going to be a really good basketball team. Well, that was one thing that made me nervous about Dalton going to Tennessee was, was he going to get the offensive usage? So the fact that he's been the cream that rose to the top offensively, and then I want to give, like, Jordan Ganey's a bucket there too. And so he's a transfer in as well from a smaller school. He's coming off the bench right now, but that kid has been shooting the ball well and getting buckets also, and that just kind of speaks to the depth that they have. Okay. Next up, 28. I'm going Kobe Johnson out of USC. Okay. Uh, another guy that I think just knows how to play basketball. Uh, has been really, really good to start the year. Missed the last game against UC Irvine that they ended up losing. Uh, you know, him and Boogie Ellis were out for that game. But in the game that he played against Kansas State, 16 points, eight rebounds, one assist, and just completely shut off the water for Arthur Kaluma in that game made his life miserable on the ball defensively. Uh, Oh, by the way, in that game also had four steals and a block was tremendous as a defender. I loved everything he brought to the table. Uh, And he's just, to me, he's an NBA rotation player. As long as the shooting holds, I I love uh, what I've seen from Kobe Johnson to start the year. Yeah. These guys are going to be interesting, right? We've talked about a few of them. You had um, Ryan Dunn pretty high Kobe Johnson here. Mark Mitchell's another interesting one that's in the mold of like these defender athletic, but what's the offensive game? I'll tell you, like I watched Dylan Mitchell the other day and I thought the defense was pretty good for him. Like 
but another guy, like what's the offensive game? It would just be interesting to see how these guys all play out is my point. But yeah, Kobe was looked good in that same game. And that's what in my, he filled up the box score. So it's a lot of these guys is what does the offensive game end up becoming? Yeah, completely agree. Okay, next. You're up if, at number 29. If you like guys that just know how to play basketball, Oso Iguodaro knows how to play basketball. And I'm so, so glad that you took Oso because I was going to have to leave him off. I have one guy that I wanted to take ahead of him. Um, I just love Oso Iguodaro, so I'm so glad that you took him. Yeah. No, I mean, he has great feel. He can pass. He has a nice floater. He's crafty. He's got a little more juice. Like, I was watching him the other day, and, like, when he catches the ball out of a screen and roll, it's not necessarily vertical juice, but it's like this explosiveness from where he's at, like 15 feet away, exploding to the rim. Like, you know, like laterally, not laterally is not the right word, but like not vertically, like, but downhill to the rim. I feel like he has a little explosion there. And then defensively, he's going to be a good positional defender, contest with verticality, has a little ability, like scheme wise, you could do some different things with him. He's a good basketball player. He can't shoot. Like that, that's the fatal flaw, right? For anybody who's listening who isn't familiar with Oso's game, he doesn't shoot it, but he pretty much does everything else you would want on the basketball floor. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have no, no, no strong opinions on this beyond loving Oso Iguodaro. The guy is fantastic. He is an unbelievable basketball player. Uh, he just knows how to play. His feel in terms of spacing, his feel in terms of dribble handoffs you watch him like off the ball he's like directing his teammates into different spaces like the guy's just a genius on the basketball court uh i i have no no qualms with this whatsoever one thing i do want to ask you have you jumped onto the tyler kolek is an nba prospect bandwagon yet tyler kolek is in my more research column which is all the way to the right so no essentially no Okay. Yeah. I lo- I love I actually love Tyler Kolick. Like as a basketball player and I love the attitude he plays with. I love everything about Tyler Kolick as a college basketball player and if you want to tell me that all translates and it works, I'm cool with it. Like I'm I'm not going to I'm fine with anybody who thinks he is. I'm sitting on the bandwagon right now that he's probably not. agree i think he plays in the nba i do i don't know for how long like i'm not gonna sit here and say like you know he's like a definite long-term nba player i think he plays in the nba i like it number 30 a guy that i'm like fairly stunned i'm talking about like this uh i did not expect this coming into the season here in australia I'm going Alex Tui. Yep. From the Sydney Kings. Six foot eight, nine foot standing reach, has been very versatile over here defensively to this point. Like they have him guard really like two through four a lot. Like he gets switched on to big sometimes and can handle that. I don't think he's good enough against like the quickest ones here, but you know, that's the reality. Can shoot the ball. I think he's shooting like 33, 34 from three, but I think he can shoot the ball. Like just yep. having seen I agree. it. I agree. Um, in passes, just knows how to play. Really knows how to play. Guys that are six foot nine, nine foot standing reach, somewhat versatile defensively, high feel, can shoot. Those guys 
play in the NBA. Like that's kind of the reality, right? Yeah, I, I put the jump shot looks really good. And then I also put he might be the quote unquote champion of awkward finishes in the lane. Like I, I don't even I don't know if it's a positive or negative. Like I don't even know what I think about it. It just, but he finished. Like the point was he made it. It just didn't look super smooth. But at the end of the day, if you put the ball in the basket, that's all that really matters. So, no, I mean, I have my notes on him. I've watched him. I haven't been quite as good with the NBL recently as college basketball has started. I've talked about this. I will circle back to that here a little bit, let some of the the stuff flesh out. But um, I had a feeling you might go here. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not as high. Uh, Tui would be in my top 60, though. Yeah. No, I love it. Um Get to see Alex Tui right around this time tomorrow here in Australia. And I couldn't be more excited. Alex Tui, uh, really, really fun player. Bryce, that's it. We've gone through 30. Uh, do you have any other guys you want to shout out while you're here? Wooga Poplar is a guy yep. that would have been, he was in my top 30. And, you know, just because of how we went back and forth and, you know, whatever, didn't quite make it. But I think he's played really well. He's been shooting the ball well. DJ Wagner really dropped for me was a name we ended up not saying Melvin Ajinka is a name that dropped that I was surprised we didn't have in the first round as well. Those were the two that I thought maybe one of us would take that didn't. Yeah. Ajinsa was in my top 30. Uh, Mackenzie Mbako is another name. He's right outside my top 30. Uh, Eve Missy, it looks like was my highest. He's in my he's in my taken. top thirty. Eve's would have been my next pick. Uh, Jared McCain, DJ Wagner, a couple other names. Rob Dillingham was another name that I think we need to mention. Yep. It's just been fantastic for Kentucky so far. Uh, Where do you have think, Holloway? Where do you have Aiden Holloway? So. I'm still trying to get a feel for it. I really okay. like what I've seen so far. I love how creatively they're using him. Obviously such a real shooter. Might be a guy like I'd probably have him in my top. Like I'm going to do a top 100, not for next week, but probably the week after. I don't know where I'll have Aiden in okay. the top 60 somewhere, but I, yeah. I don't know where yet. Small guards are hard. It's just really, really difficult. I cheated. I just put him, El Marco, and Robert Dillingham kind of all in the same spot in the middle of the second round. Middle to end of the second round. Not unfair. Like, I would have Dillingham and Aiden ahead of El Marco at this point. Sure, sure, yeah. Just way more ready, in my opinion, just off the bounce and being able to play a point. Yeah, I think that's what I've got. I'm trying to think if there are any, like, more... Under the radar, Deshaun Harris-Smith has not been very good for Maryland to this point. Uh, I mean, Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr were not super impressive. You know, Oma Belou and Elliot Cadeau have struggled out of the gate. Not super surprised about Cadeau. We're classifying point guards. Always very difficult. Um, Andre Stojakovich has shown some interesting flashes, I think, for Stanford. Uh, Caleb Foster is a guy that got a lot of publicity on Champions Classic Night. I talked about him a lot with Ricky O'Donnell, I want to see more uh, just in terms of his ability on the ball, particularly. I really don't think he can get by anybody at this stage. Uh, Trenton Flowers had an interesting game against 
who do they play? Like, I don't know. But South, Southeast Melbourne. Is that right? I, I that might not be that right. is right. Now that you say that I, I, um, that's first game in my queue for tomorrow morning. Yeah, it was pretty good last night. It was just active. Like he's turning himself into like an active energy wing, which is what it should have been to start. Um, trying to think here. Anybody else that people were excited about? Uh, Momsilovich, yes. I want to point out, like has been really good as a shooter to this yeah. point too. Yeah. And, and again, another school where you're going to defend or you're going to sit on the bench. And so like, I, I'm really interested to watch Milan. He's been good. I'm just going to say it. I know you don't want me to, and that's okay. Kalel Ware is a name that people <laughs> are getting excited about. And in his defense, he's putting up numbers. I think some of the questions that we all had coming into even Oregon last year are still there. Here's the thing. I've said over and over on this podcast that with some of these guys, I just need the data point that shows me to move them up or move them down, right? Like I'm just waiting Sunday is that data point for Kalel where he plays Connecticut and Donovan Klingon. And if he puts up 20 and 12 and three blocks and holds his own, then the data point may say, move him up. If he reverts back to some of the concerns we've had, then he can kind of stay and go back to where everybody had him last, you know, at the end of last year. But um, a lot of these data points are coming for a lot of these guys. Agree on that. Um, is there anybody else? Oh, yes, there is somebody else. Shout out my guy, Gavin Griffiths. Gotta love him over at Rutgers. Uh, dropped 25 on BU. Not with a ton of threes either. Like he made six two pointers in that game, had four rebounds. And then he had 12 against Georgetown. Uh, the other night, I believe that was what, probably Wednesday. My days get confused because I live across the world. Um, you know, had 12 points has been really, really effective, uh, in the games I've seen of Rutgers so far. Uh, excited to watch more Gavin Griffiths, but probably not a one and done. It seems like, uh, Bryce, I feel like we drafted a lot of the older guys that I wanted to talk about. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we leave? No, I'm just going to say this. The way that played out is exactly what we said at the beginning and the way I felt forever. Like the first eight or so picks, I was sick to my stomach, sweating it out, like freaking out about it. And once we got past the top 10, I was like, this is cool. These are guys I believe in. These are guys I think are NBA players. Like, I just don't want to take any of them in the top 10. And so that's where it's at right now. But I, I, it's the one thing I realized the other day it's going to be a lot of fun, right? How boring was last year's class where we all just said with the number one pick. And then we all made the joke where we said a name that wasn't Victor Wimbenyama. Now I can say Ron Holland or Alex Sar or Jacoby Walter, and we can have a big, long discussion about it and it'll be a lot of fun. So I, I'm just wait until I start giving the Reed Shepard at number one. Picks. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm <You're> ready. <laughs> Toe pitch. Reed Shepard and Bub are going to be your top three. I'm in. I'm all in. Uh, no, that won't happen. But I do love uh, the guys that are high feel, high skill in this. Class. I like it. That's, I love it. It's what I'm trying to identify at this point. High feel, high skill, hopefully positional size, which Reed doesn't have, unfortunately, which is why he's a little bit lower than where I typically have somebody like this. But uh, yeah, no, I'm really, really excited to be able to talk about guys that guys in an interesting way. Like you said, like it's really, really fun. Uh, 
Joseph George asks, can you guys talk more about why Topic isn't higher? I mean, I took him at six and had him at four when we were doing this. So uh, I think we, t- I think I talked about him a lot at the top uh, in terms of why isn't he higher? Um, for some people, it'll be the defense and it'll be like, is he a consistent like knockdown shooter it, yeah. it are the big questions. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we did a good job answering what separates a day Mara from somebody like Khalil Ware. Uh, it's feel for the game. Absolutely. And motor, like, honestly, uh, not to say Mara's motor is like insane or anything, but Khalil's has run really, really hot and cold throughout the course of his career. Oh, there was another question I saw up here at some point. Where is it? Where is it? Everyone needs a smile asks, uh, since you say fit can be, uh, bigger to the normal factor this year. Can you mention a few core teams where these guys might develop best uh, here? How about this? I'll go through the top. Um, Alex R. Is there a team that like you point to that you think Alex R. might be like a good fit on? Uh, no, I do not have one off the top of my head. I would have to pull up some NBA teams. I mean, look like the wizards, I think would be interesting in that respect. Uh, Portland, I think, would be somewhat interesting, although they certainly have Aiton if they wanted to use like Aiton as a five and Sar as like a roaming four. I think that could be kind of fun. So like you you, you would put like Sar next to Gafford in Washington, Sar next to Aiton in Well, I, I just I don't think Daniel is like their I don't think Dan Gafford's like their long. But would you still center. or would you just put Sar at center in Washington? I would probably start him at the four. I don't think he's strong enough at this point to make it work. Um, Isaiah Collier, the one for me is just like the Spurs that stands out immediately. Like put him, put him with Vic and just rock. That'd be incredibly fun. Uh, Ron Holland, you took Ron Holland. So I'll give you the floor on that one. Ron Holland. You could put him in Portland. No, (laughs) no. Put him in Portland with Scoot and Shaden Sharp. Put him on the wing there. Um, I, I will say, like, if we talk about Detroit, the ones that stand out to me are Jacoby Walter and Modest, actually, and Trey Alexander a little bit as well. Uh, just basically guys that can really shoot. Yeah, Modest spacing the floor there would um, be very helpful. Yeah. No, I agree. Um. Anybody else? I was trying to think. Uh, Klingon. So the Wizards could be a play for Klingon. Yep. It's hard just because, like, we don't know, like, the middle of the lottery right now. Like, that could go any number of different directions. Uh, Memphis, I think, would be really good with Klingon. Yeah, yeah. If they lose Steven Adams, like, that's been a big issue for them. Uh, has been just not being able to protect the rim despite the fact that Jaron is there because Jaron's like having to do so much and you know they're just fucked now because like Marcus Smart's out and everything so it's a whole mess uh Bryce we've gone for two hours and five minutes at this point which these mock draft pods always go long tell the people where they can find your work tell the people what's going on anything you want them to know anything you want to plug yeah, so uh, at Motor City Hoops on Twitter, again, plenty of Pistons content, but also NBA, NBA draft, all of that. If you are a Pistons fan or want to hear us talk about the Pistons every Tuesday or Wednesday, me and Omari Sankoff at the second, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, uh, the Pistons Pulse 
podcast. Excited to be talking NBA draft. We've been doing a lot of general NBA on here, which I enjoy as well, but NBA draft is kind of what I love the most. So um, this was a lot of fun. I was excited and uh, I'm now excited for the next one to see where things go and how guys move around because I think that's when it really gets fun. Okay. Uh, Either on Sunday or Monday, I'm not totally sure yet. We will do overreactions uh, from the previous week. I definitely want to talk about the in-season tournament because, guys, I've got to be honest with you. I love the in-season tournament. (laughs) I'm like in. It's It's good. It's fun. It's enjoyable. I have a great time watching these games. You know, unless the Bulls are on because the Bulls are a bad and b uh, their court looks like you're playing on the surface of hell. And I'm excited about it. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about a number of different things throughout the course of the overreactions pod. I don't know if I'll make Bryce come on again and do that just because Bryce did a two hour pod with me tonight. I know he's always happy to do it, but regardless. I wrote a big thing on Zach Levine that we talked about at the top. It was like 5,000 words breaking down all of the things that make sense. What doesn't make sense for him in a potential trade destination? Uh, what his value is as well. I think that because there are like 11 teams that could reasonably come knocking, the value is going to be a little bit higher than what people think. He is a all-star. Like guys that are all-stars don't go for nothing. Like... People are like, oh, he has a negative contract. We've kind of seen that guys with negative contracts still get traded, especially right now when the salary cap is going to keep skyrocketing, skyrocketing, skyrocketing throughout the course of his deal. So go read that. Go read about the Zach Levine potential trade destinations. Go read about uh, what else did I do this week? Uh, Champions Classic. I did Champions Classic prospects over at The Athletic. That'll be up. I'm doing a thing on the two-day draft that seems to be bubbling from the GM meetings. Uh, I will talk about that. Uh, over at The Athletic. And then late next week, I will have rookie rankings up at The Athletic as well. I didn't get to do any tape breakdowns yet for the YouTube channel. I owe you guys Cam Thomas. I know that. I also want to do Jalen Suggs at some point because I think Jalen Suggs has been one of the five best defensive guards I have seen in the NBA to this point. Uh, I love what he's bringing to the table. That will come at some point. Uh, And at some point, I'm going to do draft prospects. Uh, But we're kind of trying to figure a few things out with the pod at this point. So that will happen. That's all I've got, Bryce. Until next time, we'll talk soon.